This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. Coach me up, coach me up, coach me up. It's that time again, man. I love the title of our new podcast. I'm Jimmy Dyke. My good buddy, Chris Burke, is joining us as well. We are so excited to have just guys and gals on. They're going to coach us up like a head coach in front of a film room saying, this is our game plan. This is how we're trying to learn and go through life and grow with our life skills, grow with our faith skills. We have someone on today that's going to do exactly that. Reese Davis from ESPN. You guys know him. He's an absolute superstar, the host of College Game Day for both football and basketball. Also does a ton of play-by-play. He has done everything for ESPN with humility and grace, and God has really blessed him in his life. We're going to talk to him about some things with college football kicking off right now, just the future of that sport, what it looks like, who we need to have our eyes on. And then we're going to get into some just some life skills, some faith talk about humility and how our words matter. We're going to really learn and grow and be coached up today by one of the best in Reese Davis. So, man, let's get started. Reese Davis, man, it is so cool. It is so cool. It's an honor to have you on with us. Chris and I have been looking forward to this episode for for months when we started talking about the guests we wanted to have on. But we want to be respectful of your time, our listeners' time, our time. We're all busy guys. We are not slothful, as you already have told us <laughs> earlier today. But, yeah, Reese, you've done everything at ESPN. But one thing you've done all, all along the way, you've been a humble star. And yeah, I've, I've watched you from a distance, and I respect that a, a great deal. I want you just to coach us up for a few minutes here that we have with you. You'll see uh, Chris and I both probably taking notes at times, just kind of learning from you. But let's just go quickly through some football stuff. We all know about Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. Like They're going to be in the picture. Give us one that's kind of off the radar that just might have the chops to surprise us at the end of the year. The first team that comes to mind, uh, Jimmy and Chris, is Utah. I mean, Mm. that doesn't seem like it's too far off the radar because they were Pac-12 champions and played in the Rose Bowl last year. But they've got a multitude of starters coming back, especially on offense. And while they lost one of my favorite players, uh, both from a personal standpoint and on the field standpoint to watch in a number of years, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, uh, they replaced him with a transfer from Florida named Mahmoud Diabate who was a very good player for the Gators and is going to step into that role. I don't know that he'll be Devin Lloyd, but it's he'll certainly be really good on defense. Kyle Whittingham runs a terrific, stable program, which is you know not the norm necessarily in college football in this tumultuous yeah. time. So Utah's the first team that comes to mind because I think they can navigate the Pac-12. They get SC at home. Not sold on SC totally yet. This is a new deal and a new venture and a team full of free agents. So not saying they can't do it. They're wildly talented, but I'm just pumping the brakes and saying, let me see. So I think it's Utah, but their week one game at Florida, big game for Diabate, I'm sure. Mm. But um, that big that's a big game for them because Florida is a mediocre SEC team at this juncture. And even though it's in Gainesville, 
if Utah is going to be a playoff team, as I anticipate that they could be, then they need to go in there and they don't have to blow them out or anything, but they need to go in there and show that they are uh, capable of, of winning decisively and winning and showing that they look like a championship team. As you break down kind of the bigger picture, is there is there anybody in the ACC outside of Clemson? We saw Pitt came out of nowhere, right? Last year, won the ACC. Do you feel like Clemson reestablishes himself as the class of the ACC, or do you think it's somebody else? No, I think it'll be Clemson that wins that wins the conference, Chris. I think they're the best team. But the team that I almost chose, other than Utah, as a team to watch, would be North Carolina State. Uh, they've got a terrific quarterback, Devin Leary, coming back. Uh, they too have a ton of uh, returning guys. They do have uh, they have some holes to fill in terms of uh, running back, but Leary is going to be really, really good. They've got 10 guys back on defense, and in addition to that, they have one of the top linebackers in the conference who was injured last year coming back in Peyton Wilson. So they won nine games last year, an abundance of experience returning. I think North Carolina State could be a team that could challenge, but if memory serves, and I'm taking a peek at my notes here, so I am right, uh, the game that against Clemson is in Death Valley. So that cer- certainly is problematic for them because uh, Clemson Clemson hasn't lost there since Howard Rock was sitting in, <laughs> out in the, the real Death Valley in the desert someplace. But um, I do think that North Carolina State, if somehow they could win that game on the road, if Clemson continues to struggle at quarterback, and uh, North Carolina State's not going to struggle at quarterback, I'll tell you that. Mm. So I think North Carolina State could be a, a challenger. And I do, I like Pittsburgh too, though I, I like Pittsburgh to win the other division in the last year of divisions in the ACC and to play in the championship game. Although that's a toss-up on the other side. Just about any of those teams could win it. Hey, Reese, you're, you're in position like Chris and I are with basketball and baseball. You, you, you get to know these coaches at a whole nother level than we do. You're around them a lot. You read them, you see them, you study them, you're in their practices. Give me a common thread with those top guys, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo. Like, what do you see that, like, they all have this in common? What would it be? Discipline. And that's a trite answer unless you know exactly what I mean. Um, by discipline, I mean they exercise it and use it. I don't mean that they rule their programs with a higher iron fist and hand out punishment. Hmm. They, they are. They are resolute in what they do, and they don't, they don't vary from their belief system. That doesn't mean they don't adjust, that they don't change. They certainly change and evolve, but they are, they are guided by their principle of principles of what it takes to win, and those are different. Now, Nick and Kirby are more alike than different, given the fact that they were together for so long. And Kirby's his own man. I don't mean to suggest that he's just, you know, a a Nick Saban clone. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's anybody like Nick. Um, And Dabo's a completely completely different personality, yet very effective and very disciplined in his own way. Um, When I say there's no one like Nick, and I don't even think Kirby falls into this category, and it doesn't mean he's a better or worse coach. It's a personality trait that, that... I believe and I've actually mm-hmm. I've actually said it to Nick and he just sort of looks at me and you know <laughs> snarl. Most guys, most coaches, even high level coaches for whatever reason, 
it eats away at them little by little because of what they feel like they have to invest to be successful. And it chips away and chips away and chips away. And hopefully they find a way to be replenished along the way. But it, but it eats at them and it wears them down over time. Nick Saban is the only guy I've ever met that needs it like the rest of us need oxygen. Now, wow. Mike Krzyzewski might be similar, mm-hmm. but I think Nick needs it like, like we like we would suffocate without oxygen. I, I don't know what he would do if he wow. didn't do this. And I don't even think it's just about uh, the breaking down of film and all of that. I really think that, you know, he's not, look, he said something one time that is so true and that we could be reminded of often in our society. He said, there are no saints in coaching. <laughs> there, you know, yeah. truth of the matter is that there are certainly no saints in broadcasting either. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, no. here, here's chief among sinners sitting here. But I think sometimes we deify these guys and we shouldn't do that. They're human beings. Yeah. But his personality trait, he is predisposed to wanting to not only bring out the best in his team as a whole, but he's committed to the idea that this somehow helps them elsewhere. Now, people will scoff at that. And maybe, and I'm sure there is some uh, selfish motivation because, you know, not that's not just a trait of Nick Saban or anybody else. Guys that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are 6'2", 215 and run a 4'2", 840, they, they need... You know, they need a lot more patience than, than, than a guy like me that's uh, too fat and runs a 7, 8, 40. You know, I, you know you're, I'm not going to get the you same can prove. Up. You've gotten yeah. faster. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, I think I think that's the, the thread is they all have their belief system and they exercise discipline to keep the organization uh, on that path no mm. matter what. You, you, you made a couple of things there that I think segue to my next question question, which is a little bit broader about just kind of the industry of college football, this idea of uh, being resolute in your priorities, but also being able to adapt. Uh, college football seems like it's in a, a season of, of that it needs to adapt, that it has to kind of figure out what 2.0 is going to look like. I don't know. This might be at 4 or 5.0 at this point, but uh, there was some articles this morning about um, the college football playoff, maybe policing itself kind of becoming its own entity and and ruling the the sport of college football where where do you think that's headed Reese I I know you're a thoughtful guy I'm sure you've you've contemplated this a lot where where is college football amongst the power five schools headed I I think it's it's headed exactly there now whether it will be the college football playoff as it's constituted now that becomes the governing body and the organizational body of the sport at the highest level that remains to be seen. As we sit here, that seems most likely to me if there's going to be an organization other than the NCAA. But I think it's needed. I think it's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, college football has to has to govern itself, and they have to establish their guidelines. They have to find an effective way to collectively bargain with the players. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not a lawyer, but I've spoken to some, not just Billis. Uh, you know, but I've, I've spoken <laughs> Real to lawyers. some and. Yeah, and it seems to me, because my my inclination, actually, I went to see if I was right or wrong. And um, my inclination is the only way out of these endless lawsuits, antitrust, unfair labor restrictions, all that. The only way out is collective bargaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is probably 
also good for the players long term because not only will they be able to share television revenue and all of those things at some level, they'll have to, in, in a bargaining process, they'll have to give up something. Mm. And that might be um, time periods in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. It might be. I, I don't see where the universities are well-equipped to make them employees, mm-hmm. um, but probably something closely pro- approximating that is really the only way out of it. And I'm kind of like you guys. We're all about the same age. I'm probably a little bit older than you guys. But I would love it if every player in college basketball, um, you know, was able to go to school for four years, be in good shape financially, and really was there for the love of good old state U. (laughs) Go team. Rah, rah. It's not the way it is. And the fact of the matter, guys, it's never been that way. And so this is a big business. It's an industry. And we act like that's a bad word. And it's not. It Mm -hmm. it just is. And hopefully it can be governed in an honest, ethical way that is beneficial from a business standpoint for all the partners involved. And that includes us. And also beneficial to the players and something that is... um, And I don't know if the term guardrails that I hear a lot is really the right Mm. one, but just an organizational structure. Businesses need organizational structure. And that's what this is. It's a business. And the structure needs to be um, reconfigured in a way that it's it's not going to make everybody perfectly happy no matter what, but it needs to be organized in a way that is uh, as good as it can possibly be, both for the schools and for the players. Yeah. Reese, you and I, we were blessed. One of the one of the most memorable games I've done in my career, uh, you and I did Duke at Louisville a few years ago. Phenomenal comeback by Duke on the road. And in that I was at that game, practice that day. You were at the game. I was okay. at the game. My son and I left yeah. with 10 minutes to go when Duke went down 21 points yep. or something. A lot of folks left. By the time we got on the highway, <laughs> it was a school night, to be fair. It was no. a school yeah, night. That's right. But, yeah. but I'm not listening to that. Reese, Reese I live in Louisville, that. just so you don't know that. But uh, by the time oh, okay. we got to oh, the highway. Are you, are you a Louisville fan? No, I went to Tennessee. I'm a Vol. But, okay, all uh, right. I'm uh, going to give you some but latitude. I, I grew up a Dukie. Okay, Bobby Hurley was the first okay. jersey I ever owned, so I was a wannabe Bobby Hurley. So anyway, I, my boys kind of, you know, we kind of watched. Anyway, I'm stealing Jimmy's okay. thunder, but by the time I got on the highway, it was an eight point game, and my son was yep. not happy with me. So go ahead. No, no, yeah, no, neither nor, nor should he have yeah. been. But to to, to kind of set the story up, Duke was down 21 points with nine minutes to go, mm-hmm. I think, and came back and won in regulation. But my point for the broadcast that night, what I learned from it was Coach K, Reese, that earlier that morning told you and I, there are times in a game that he doesn't know what to say. And I was knocked back by that because he's the all-time winningest head coach we've ever had. And I said, what do you do in those moments? And he said, I, I only say positive things. And it really made an impact on my life that for two hours that I'm on the air, I'm very guarded with my words as we all are. The other 22 hours I'm not on the air, maybe not maybe not guarded as much as I wish I was. And God convicts me of that when I'm not like that. But I want to hear from your perspective, Reese, kind of what looking back on that night and, and the power of our words, our words matter. What does that mean to you? When I hear that, Jimmy, one of one of my favorite, maybe my favorite book in the Bible is the book of James. Now, that's, I've actually 
thought over the years because I think I can have a, a tendency in, in my faith walk to feel like that, you know, you need to follow, and you do, you need to follow the guidelines and the roadmap, but that it's an instruction manual. So I have to remain convicted to go back to, you know, not just go there, but James is a really good instruction manual and it's, it's of great benefit. And when it says, no man can tame the tongue, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison, um, you know, that and makes the analogy of the small rudder guiding the ship. What you say lingers. There was a Harvard study not long ago, or maybe, maybe it was long ago now, but that compared the impact of hearing something negative as opposed to hearing something positive. Now, sometimes we all need to hear something negative, but a mean-spirited thing, um, unfounded criticism, unfair criticism, that has, you know, seven times at least the impact of nice job or good job. And what Coach K said that night, when you're at your lowest, you know, sometimes you need to hear positive things. Yeah. Um, I remember Lou Holtz said something to me once when uh, we were in studio together and Lou and I you know, have been close friends for a number of years. He said, sometimes when people need love and understanding the most is when they deserve it the least. And I hmm. think that, that it would be real easy in a situation like Duke was in because they were a little lethargic that night up to <laughs> about the nine minute mark. Yeah. You know, for him to light into them. And that's what that's what we as fans expect. Here, oh, mm-hmm. you know, here comes Coach K. He's gonna get into them now. It'll rally the troops. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it does, but a lot of times your words can be more powerful if you take a step back and adopt a more positive outlook. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you look at something and you know, do it from a perspective of love. Now, that doesn't mean you're always soft. Sometimes you have to be direct. I mean, uh, you know, I'm also, uh, uh, you know, I'm also uh, a fan of Jordan Peterson. And one of the rules, you know, rules for life is tell the truth or at least don't lie. You know, and, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's something that that we all could all could adopt. But the spirit in which a message is delivered is is huge. And I, th- I think that one of the things that, you know, that we all struggle with is, you know, especially when you're in, in the media, you want to have the funny comment. You want to be the mm-hmm. guy who, you know, who said something, even if you're not on the air, mm. you know, even if you're just in a meeting right. sometimes. And sometimes when we're trying to provide the proper example to those around us, uh, keeping a bridle on that tongue is a, mm. is, is a challenge and a difficult mm. thing. So uh, what, what are the things we want to be coached up on and help other people coach them up on is this concept of doing life together. Um, at the church I go to, the, our men's ministry, uh, one of our taglines for our men's ministry is encouragement and accountability. Um, and we feel like every every man needs that, every person needs that, but it's men's ministry. So we, we're always talking to men. Uh, who, who is that for you? Coach me up. Who, who holds you accountable? Who encourages you personally uh, in your life? The first one is someone that you'll all know, and that's David Pollack. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. David and I have that type of relationship. I, I often refer to him as the little brother I never wanted, but he is, uh, <laughs> you know, 
uh, you know, aside from that, David is a David's a spiritual warrior, mm. and he's he's unafraid, and so he he's probably the first guy. There's some uh, you know there's, there's some other people in my life, you know, from college and so forth, friends that I've that I've maintained um, over the years that you know we'll we'll share scriptural messages. One that you know I'm you know really really close with. We'll share family stuff a lot, mm. but you know those. You know, among guys that are recognizable, David would be David would be the mm-hmm. first one. And there's even another guy at ESPN that I've uh, developed a really um, strong connection with spiritually, Jonathan Wiley. With Jimmy, you may know him. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of our producers and and just a, a strong man of faith and you know, very convicted and doing the right thing. And I think that um that those are the people among among the people I work with mm. that. Uh, that stand out important. Uh, first in terms of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, we all need it. I know I do. Reese, co- coach, coaches, we could talk, obviously, two hours with you. You're a phenomenal communicator and a heart for people and others. Co- coach us up on a story or a scripture that really impacts you right now. Can you give us one? Yeah, I, I think the one I referenced, uh, you know, the one I referenced earlier is certainly one of them, but there's also— um, there's also a a verse that's sort of important in my family mm-hmm. um, that that my daughter, when my son was injured uh, injured badly on the baseball field and we almost lost him, he she gave she gave all of us these bracelets and mine broke so you might see I'm, I'm not really a bracelet guy but I wear this one all the time although I say that I don't have it on right at this moment but you'll see it on the air all the time and inside it is a, a scripture from First Peter five ten that talks about after you've suffered a little while that uh, the Lord himself will restore you and affirm you. And so I think, you know, I think we all think that we suffer sometimes, but it's, it, that to me is not so much about the verse itself, which is talking about suffering in a spiritual context. Uh, and in that case, in our family, that was, uh, that was an emotional one and for my son, a physical one. Um, but, it was. It's a reminder to me about perspective, and mm. about how all of these things that that we are blessed to do that I you know wanted to do since I was a little boy since uh, since it became apparent in high school that I wasn't going to some long and illustrious playing career. You know, I'm, I'm no Jimmy Dykes here, and uh, you know, so um, you know, I wasn't going to be good enough to do that, and. You know, and, and frankly, probably didn't understand the type of effort that needed to be put into that, but I did understand this, and it's been wonderful, and it is wonderful, and I cherish it and am grateful for it. But it can be taken away in an instant, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, it, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is important because you can witness through the way you conduct yourself, and you can also, in a different way, pursuing something with with excellence and giving everything you have to a goal to see what happens is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, both from a spiritual standpoint and from a cultural standpoint and from a an emotional health standpoint. I mean, you know, yeah. when we start talking about people being weak and, you know, and, and you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't pursue these things and you shouldn't be aggressive. Well, then, you know, what are they going to do? They're just going to say, well, why, why bother? Yeah. So there is, there is virtue in pursuing these things in an earthly, from an earthly perspective. Mm-hmm. But 
It can be taken away in an instant, and all that really matters is your faith walk, and that is all that is going to resonate later. So you better put your trust in the right thing. And I'm not sitting here uh, saying this from a perspective of that I do this perfectly or that I even do it well. Right. But I hope that at least the fact that I understand that that I know that <laughs> yeah, can right. hopefully then hopefully <laughs> keep me in check when I when I get off kilter. Well, I, I referred to you to start with as a humble star. And really, there's no one at ESPN that I think plays that out day after day after day any, any more than you. Uh, last question, humility. What does that mean to you? I think just, just what, you know, what the Lord tells us to do is consider others uh, before you consider yourself. I think that... Um, I'm sort of predisposed, I think, to be that way, probably because of the way my parents raised me. Um, you know, I mean, look, I look. I'm sure I can be obnoxious and cocky as the next guy. You know, from time to time, I really try not to be. I try to, <laughs> I, you know, I try to be kind to people. Um, but the people you hang around with kind of drags you that way at times on game day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that can happen every now and then for sure. But uh, <laughs> you try to keep up. But uh, it's. You know, I, I don't. It, it's a, it's a very nice compliment, and I always appreciate it very much when you say that, Jimmy. It's mm. very meaningful to me. Um, but you know, I don't know that I sit there every day and say, you know, try to be humble. I, I think it's more from a perspective of understanding your your place relative to the Lord and, and what you're expected to do. And I, I almost feel guilty when when we talk about these things publicly because there, I'm sure there. Plenty of people who hear this podcast say, well, I heard him say this. I saw him do that. I, I, I've screwed up plenty. Yeah. Plenty. You know, and so I'm not sitting here saying that I've got all this figured out or that I've that I've executed it as well as I would have liked. But I do know it. And I hope that that keeps me, that keeps some perspective on it that, you know, I, I say I'll, I'll draw this analogy, and I think like our, our buddy Seth Greenberg will occasionally accuse me and say, oh, you can't stand coaches. You know, then that's not true. I, I like coaches very much, but um, I think sometimes that we deify them because of their career path, and the same thing could be said about broadcasters. I'm no different than somebody who's chosen to do something else for a living. You know, yeah. I mean, just because I've, I've chosen this and people happen to be able to see what I do for a living – it's, you know, I'm no different from them. And I really, I really try to try to remember that, that, uh, you know, no matter, no matter what someone's walk of life is, that when you encounter them, you, you need to treat them with the love of the Lord, you know, yeah. and ho hopefully, hopefully I do that more often than not. I hope I try. So. Reese, you've been fantastic. You're, we, we heard your heart today and that's, kind of what we want out of this podcast is just to be coached up by guys that have a heart for growing their faith. I, I know the name of Jesus resonates with you daily. It shows in how you conduct yourself. None of us are perfect. We're all just real dudes, man, going through life together. But man, thank you from the bottom of our heart for joining us. You're a busy, busy guy. We can't wait to watch you all fall and I'll see you in the basketball season. But man, thanks so much. You are outstanding. Appreciate you, Reese. Thank you, thanks, guys. Dude. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Keep it up. This is uh, This is really important. Men need things like this. 
I want to say one other thing. I heard I heard something quickly, and I hope you guys will agree with this or amplify it. At a time when our young men, especially, are looking for direction, they're looking for a place to go. Our faith-based institutions should be telling them, "We want you. We want you with your energy. We want you with your, um, you know, your your power and your commitment to something that is meaningful." And then, and then teach them what that is, disciple them along the way. But we should yep. be, we should be actively engaging these young men that need direction. And our, our churches need to be trying to get those people in the fold. Mm. And you guys are helping do that with this. Well, we appreciate you uh, hopping on, bro. Yeah, that was, that was strong. Thanks. See you, buddy. All right, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Man, Jimmy, that was good stuff. Well, mm. you know, that was my first opportunity to really uh, rap with Reese Davis. And he's got such a commanding presence on the air. Right. Um, and when you get kind of under the covers, you realize none of that is show business. Like, that, that's just who he is. Yeah. Uh, a very commanding, sophisticated kind of dude. Um, and you could tell, as you talk about him being so humble, like, he has all those qualities that, so many people aspire to it would be easy to not be humble but a couple things about what he said first of all i think his humility as he said is a good fruit from his parents so job well mm -hmm. done mr and mrs davis number two you can tell it's an obedience piece right i mean he's like quoting scripture which you know he, he talked about the humility would be consider others ahead of yourselves right that submission piece which is so hard for so many of us um i heard a pastor one time define humility as not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Mm, I love that. You know, yeah. like I, I think when you listen to Reese, he's very sure of the gifts God's given him, right. but he doesn't use that as a platform to look down on others. No, right. Never. And no, so no. he knows he's very good at what he does. He knows he and, he, and he aspires to be great at it, but that doesn't mean he's any better than anybody else. He made that very clear. And so this concept of not all shucks, I'm no good. Like, no, you are good. God's uniquely and and beautifully packed you with the package you have. Own that. Mm -hmm. Be great at it, but don't use it as a as means to, you know, uh, belittle others, right? And I, right. I think I think we celebrate that as sports guys. Don't we celebrate that when we see it on the field or on the court? Somebody who's just, man, that dude, like I think of Larry Fitzgerald. Like that dude is an unbelievable football player. Barry Sanders, but he just hands the ball to the ref when he scores a touchdown. Right, right. You, you know, there's just something no, about you. that that's different, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a, to your point, I think it's an intentional intentionality about who he is and how he goes about his day. It would be so easy for Reese Davis. Man, he's the, he's the guy. Mm -hmm. College game day mm -hmm. football, college game yeah. day basketball, play-by-play. -play. Like, like, there's not a bigger star, I don't think, at ESPN than Reese, and there's you would never know it. You're in a, a, a room. We have a conference, and we all come together as announcers. There's nothing about Reese Davis that says, look at me or listen to me. And he's, uh, you know, but he's led, by the, he's led by the Holy Spirit in his life. He's led by God's written word. There's an intentionality behind how he goes about his day that plays out for all of us. Mm. I, I loved his story about what his son battled through in First Peter, right? Yeah, I know. I, I was going to read that because that quote, that that verse. I looked it up when he was telling us, and I, we don't know exact. I don't know if you know exactly what his son went through, but 
almost dying on the baseball field. People think about uh, catastrophic injuries maybe more with no disrespect, maybe cheerleading, right? Girls falling right. from from way high up, yeah. maybe football, football. But like the reality is uh, that baseball is moving fast. And, yeah. some, and and again, I don't know what happened, but um, this verse that he that he quoted that his daughter put on a bracelet is is very powerful. I hope it encourages. Uh, we want to be a source of encouragement. We want to coach each other up. We want to coach you guys up on um, the encouragement of accountability and and doing life together. So First Peter. Uh, 5.10 says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffer a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Uh, After you suffer a little while, will will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And obviously, Peter's writing that to the early church, but Mm -hmm. uh, we can all take encouragement um, from that. And I I know that, uh, you know, my son was born with a, dead spot in his intestine and and had five surgeries in the first six months of his life. And there was a few times there where we weren't sure he was going to make it, my first son. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, you talk about clinging to God's word and just trying to uh, grasp onto his promises of that he will sustain us, that he will renew us, Absolutely. That, that he works for good in all circumstances for those who love him. And man, there's some desert moments in there. There's some valley moments in there, but uh, cool to hear Reese tell a story about how his daughter was clinging to God's word in those times too. And that really sustained them. And it's not, it's not, the scripture doesn't say if you go through hard times, Mm -hmm. it's very clear. We're going to go through them Mm -hmm. as a believer. We're not, we're not going to escape the hard realities of life. And uh, when those hard times hit, I've learned in my own life, I've had a couple of droughts as I refer to them, as I look Mm -hmm. back on my life, Chris, couple of hard times I went through. I, I can't think of anything more important when you're going through a hard, difficult time in life than continuing to be thankful. I think that's a huge, huge discipline. It's something I wish I would learn earlier in my life. Mm. But when those hard times hit, giving thanks have in to all be, circumstances, it's, it's yes, a tough one. You, yeah. And you have to, like, our words matter in a drought. 10 times more than they matter in good times. Mm-hmm. What are you saying mm-hmm. when things aren't going well? What are you saying about God's written word? Are you using God's written word in favor on your tongue as it rolls off? Or are you just spewing the things that naturally our, mm-hmm. self, our selfish things, our, our selfish bodies want to spew out? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, I, and I always bring things back to sports because I'm, I, when I talk at church, I always call it my jockisms. But, you know, we know that to be true in a locker room, right? The dude yeah. who's a great teammate after a great game and is is essentially pouting in the corner after bad games, that dude's not a yep. leader in the clubhouse. No, Everybody sees through that in the instant. Everybody knows yes. that, right? It's the dude who's positive, who's able to find joy in other people's good performances, even when he doesn't play well or she doesn't play well. Those are the people that really gain equity in a clubhouse, and that's why God's ways are best. And they 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 transfer to all uh, different walks of life because the reality is, um, if you can tame your tongue and find ways to be grateful in all circumstances, again, sports analogy, whether I'm four for four or zero for four, uh, that mm-hmm. will serve you well. And in addition, will bring will bring glory to God, and it's for the good of others. And uh, that can be as practical as handling yourself after a bad game, or as deep as yeah. how you're treating nurses when your child's in the hospital. Right? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's both. Yeah. It takes uh, how about how about some of the things he said? How about the uh, 
not surprised, you know, going back to the college football deal, not surprised that he thinks we're headed to, you know, a governing body that's apart from the right. NCAA. I think yep. everybody says that. I, but I really like the question you ask him about the common thread. Right. Um, and and the, the, he said, discipline is the word, not the iron fist, you know, go run yep. 20 sprints. But like just the daily commitment to the priorities, I th- the word he used was resolute. They are resolute in the mm-hmm. commitment to their priorities. Uh, that's the common thread. I thought that was pretty powerful. I, yeah, and so I me start thinking, how does that transfer over to my life in, t- in terms of how I lead my home? How am I doing there? Am I, am I relentless in being resolute in the things that I think matter for our household? Um, am I resolute in my pursuit of Christ every day? And I, the thing that stood out to me as well is when you're talking about Nick Saban, he said, Nick Saban needs it like we need oxygen. <laughs> okay. Talking about the, the, the fire of coaching and yeah, the, the competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. environment, so, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm not going to get there, but I know that's the goal. Like we should pursue Jesus as much as we pursue oxygen and, because that's that's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares for us. That's how that's how he wired us to be. And I, the, I, that's not my oxygen every day. It is part of my day. You know, I'm, I'm learned to make it part of my day. But man, I I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I hope my faith pursuit grows. Where someone would say about me, Jimmy Dykes needs Jesus as his oxygen, like Nick Saban needs it in coaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It, and I, I thought Reese did a great job of making that kind of thought process practical in the sense of, you know, you're not sitting in the corner of your closet uh, with your face in the carpet all day, right. even though that might be a part of your day. And I'm certainly yeah. not mocking that, right? Just going to the no. Lord in prayer. But yeah. this concept of that's not a call to not be excellent in what we are pursuing and what we've been gifted to do here absolutely. on earth, right? And yeah, so absolutely. I think that the balance of, um, okay, I've said yes to doing this as a career, or I've said yes to leading this team, or I've said yes to uh, raising this family, whatever it is, whatever, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no and work as if you're working for the Lord, not for man. So in that, uh, that pursuit should call us to uh, be excellent in, uh, trying to lead in whatever field we're in, right? Not for the purposes of building our own kingdom, but because, hey, this is the way God's gifted me and I want to get the most out of those gifts. And uh, for a guy like Reese, his ability to pursue excellence in his career then gives him an opportunity to make a meaningful impact on others, uh, not to mention just providing for his family and giving opportunities to other people. I'm sure he's very generous, right? And he yep. can use right. uh, the fruit of his labor to to help others. So, all of that, what you're saying, some people might hear you say that. Ah, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get there. Well, as you said, you're you're probably never going to get there fully, right? But right. don't 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 mean don't let that make it mean that it's some uh, abstract spiritual like um, caught in neutral, like not at all, right? It's a pursuit of going after all. what we've said yes to, but doing it in a way that um, honors God. Yeah, and we're in life, and we're we're living life. We're mm. You and I and Reese are blessed to have really cool jobs, but you and I are just, I mean, we're all just real guys trying to maneuver through it, do the best we can, lead our family. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out, guard our hearts, all those things. But he he was a real encouragement to all of us today. Reese was fantastic, and it was a great way to kick off our 
Coach Me Up podcast. I want to encourage everyone again to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. The, the subscription part is free, by the way. Just subscribe and just let you notify on your phone or however you listen to your podcast that we've dropped a new one. Uh, and then give us a rating and a review. All that's going to do, Chris, is grow our grow our team. Mm-hmm. We want we want this to be like a team, like guys and gals are coming together and man, we're learning, we're getting coached up. And yeah, and Reese today was in the front of the film room. Just we're just bannering him with questions. And man, he was phenomenal in coaching us up some of that stuff. I want to quickly thank our sponsors once again. The uh, Coach Me Up podcast is brought to you by One Country. Check out their incredible giveaways that give back and receive. Your first month of membership free when you visit onecountry.com slash coach. They are phenomenal. They have a heart for others, a heart for giving. Just check out what One Country is doing, onecountry.com. I know those guys personally here in Northwest Arkansas, phenomenal at what they're doing. Also, Blue Delta Jeans, where each pair of jeans is handmade in the USA to fit you and you only. Visit bluedeltajeans.com to get started. And use the code UNPACKIN, U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N, for $100 off your first pair of jeans. Chris, always great to be with you. Coach me up, coach me up, coach me up. And I can't wait to be with you again. I'm going to encourage our listeners one more time to subscribe, rate us, review us. Buddy, I'll be talking to you soon. Man, Reese was, yeah. was phenomenal, was he not? He, boy, he, he coached me up. You know that word that's going to be ringing in my head all day? Resolute. 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 Love it. I like it. All right, brother. Love you. See you soon. You too, bro.